This week on Red Astray, I'm going to be reading the 40th and 41st chapters of Keeper of the Lost Cities by Shannon Messenger. Chapter 40 The next morning, Adeline must have conjured her breakfast, because the tray appeared on her desk, and Sophie was okay with that. The only way to survive her remaining time there was to avoid Grady and Adeline as much as possible. Dex stood waiting by her locker when she got to Foxfire. He stared at the hole in her cape. How are you doing? I'm fine. She brushed brushed past him to open her locker. Dex cleared his throat. Are you mad at me? Of course not. Then why won't you tell me what's going on? Because I don't want to talk about it yet. But I'm your best friend. I know, Dex. I'm not ready. I'm just not ready. I'm sorry. His shoulders sagged. Maybe I could cheer you up then. We could practice alchemy after school. Start getting ready for finals. You could come over to my house if you want. I won't even get mad if you burn down my room. The idea of a smile twitched around her lips, but it wasn't strong enough to fully form. Maybe another time, he sighed. If you change your mind, thanks. She leaned against her locker after he left, trying to shove his stricken expression out of her mind. She hated hurting Dex's feelings, but she wasn't ready to be poor, unwanted Sophie Foster. She yanked her last book from her locker with unnecessary force, knowing, knocking an envelope to the ground. Inside, she found a scrap of newspaper with the headline, Firestorm Claims First Victims. There was also a note written in Hasty Black Scroll, You Have to Stop This, and a prattles pin. A silver moonlark. She stared at the glowing metal bird, and somehow she knew it was made of luminite. Her hands shook as she folded up the note. You okay? Merle asked. You look really pale. Sophie clutched her chest, taking deep breaths to calm her pounding heart. Fine. Merle laughed. You must be the worst liar ever. Whoa. Is that a moonlark? Do you have any idea how rare that pin is? There's less than a hundred of them. Oh, really? She shoved it back in the envelope and hid it in her bag. Well, cool. Cool. You have the Prattles Moonlark. You should be dancing through the halls. Morella's loud announcement turned several heads. Sophie slammed her locker shut. Sorry, I have to get to session. I'll talk to you later. Morella mumbled something about waste as Sophie fled the atrium, trying to think clearly over the words pounding through her brain. You have to stop this. She stumbled through the halls, searching for somewhere isolated to call Alden. She finally found a deserted corridor with stark white walls and dug out her imparter. Alden's face appeared before she could finish saying his name. Sophie, what happened? She glanced over her shoulders to make sure she was alone. I found another note in my locker. His jaw set. We'd better not talk about it now, but I want you to come over to Everglyn as soon as school is over. She nodded. His image flashed away, and she sank against the wall. Don't even think about claiming you're not mysterious anymore, Keefe said. A half-screen slipped out before she could stop it. He grinned as he stepped out of the shadows. Surprised to see me? She sucked in huge gulps of air to calm her panic. What are you doing here? This is my ditching spot, remember? The white walls did look vaguely familiar. So you want to tell me why you're sneaking off to talk to Alden about mysterious notes? It's no big deal, Keith. He cocked an eyebrow. Nope, sorry. I am feeling way too much panic to believe that. Empaths made lying annoyingly difficult.
I couldn't tell you, Keith, so don't ask. If you don't tell me, I'm going to tell everyone Valen is slipping you love notes. You do what you have to do. He laughed. Wow, this must be important. When she didn't say anything, he shrugged. Fine, have it your way. But at the end of finals, I want a really awesome gift, as thanks for my silence. Deal, they shook hands, and Keith listed off a few suggestions, but she wasn't listening. Thinking about final gifts reminded her. How did you get into my locker after midterms? I told you, I have my methods. I'm serious. How did you do it? It's supposed to need my DNA. Please, I never reveal my secrets. This is important, Keith. If you don't tell me, I'll tell Alden and let him. you deal with him. He seemed to wear her resolve before he sighed. It was already open, okay? No way. I never leave my locker open. You must have. All I did was open it the rest of the way and drop my gift off. A faint blush on his cheeks implied that he was telling the truth, but it didn't make sense. Nothing was missing, and you were the only one who put anything in. Yeah, which you never thanked me for, by the way. The nerve of some people. He was right. She never figured out a way to thank him for his unusual gift. Sorry, thanks for the candy and the necklace. Necklace? Yeah, you really didn't have to do that. Good, cause I didn't. What? I gave you an extra large box of mood candy. That's it. Sounds like someone has a secret admirer. Seriously? How many boys do you have chasing you right now? A lot, I guess. Hoping he'd accept his own theory. But she had a sinking feeling a boy had nothing to do with the necklace. Fitz and Bianca didn't seem surprised when she caught up with them on their way to the Leap Master to let them know she was coming home with them. I figured you'd have a lot to talk to my dad about, Fitz said. He glanced at Bianca. Yeah, how are you doing? Bianca asked. I'm fine. Her heart skipped a beat. And for once it had nothing to do with meeting Fitz's eyes. Alden wouldn't have told them about the black swan, would he? Fitz pulled her into a, to a quiet corner. Sophie, my dad told us about Grady and Adeline. I'm really sorry. Me too. Vienna reached out and took her hand. Is there anything we can do? Sophie looked away, blinking to stop the flood of tears she could feel coming. Thanks. I'm fine. One stubborn tear slipped down her cheek and Vienna wrapped her in a hug. Fitz stripped one arm across her shoulders. It's going to be okay. Really, Vienna whispered. Sorry, her voice was thick enough to cut. She pulled away from the hug and wiped her eyes. I don't want to talk to talk about it. I know. That's why we didn't say anything yesterday, Vienna said. You knew yesterday? Vienna nodded. My dad told us a couple of days ago, because he and Mom are applying as replacement guardian. Sophie's head whipped up. What? Really? Yep. I mean, the council still has to approve it, but my dad made it sound like it would kind of be a done deal. Warm tingling rushed through Sophie, and it took her a second to realize it, that it was hope. She didn't totally, it didn't totally heal the wound from Grattan and Adeline's rejection, but it eased some of the fears and uncertainty. I don't know what to say, she whispered. You guys wouldn't mind? Are you kidding? Then I wouldn't be the only girl anymore. You have no idea what it's like having two brothers. Sophie's eyes started to fit, wondering how he felt about the idea. He grinned. Of course I don't mind. You're already like my little sister. This would just make it official. Oh, great. She knew he meant it as a compliment, but the word sister still stung. Vianna hooked an arm through hers and led her toward the Leap Master. See, everything will be okay. 
Sophie wanted to believe her, but she couldn't shake the feeling that things were going to get a lot worse before they got better. Alden sat quiet after Sophie told him of her recent discoveries. Too quiet. She tugged out so many eyelashes she was afraid there might be a bald spot. She dropped her hands to her lap. Finally, Alden cleared his throat. Can I see the necklace they gave you? Her shoulders slumped. I didn't bring it. Why not? I was afraid, afraid it might be a bug. An insect? Oh, sorry, that's what humans call tiny recording devices. I didn't want to bring it into your house in case it was a way to spy on us. Alden smiled. Human technology. Her face burned. But why would they give me a necklace then? It's just a crystal pendant. Nothing special. It has a crystal? A blue one. He dug out his black pathfinder from his pocket and pointed to the cobalt crystal at the end. Was it this color? Her eyes widened. I think it was. Do you think it's a leaping crystal? Actually, I think it's an illegal crystal for leaping to the Forbidden Cities. He rose to play, to face, shaking his head. They gave you this at midterm? She nodded. I still don't understand how they could get into my locker. A skilled vanisher could sneak it in under to Foxfire undetected, and we already know they have your DNA. He crossed the room back and forth four times before he spoke again. I'll have to get that pendant from you as soon as possible. I'll pick it up on Monday. Make sure you don't let anyone see it. I won't. He let out a breath. Good. You can keep the pin for now. Maybe it will trigger more memories. I've never heard of luminite being used for fire catching, but I suppose it's possible. Maybe you should read through your textbook again. See if it triggers anything else now that you know what luminite is. She nodded, though she dreaded the idea of reading the boring book again. What about the note and the article? You can't do anything about that. Remember your promise? I know, but are you looking into it? I'm doing what I can. The council banned anyone from going near the fires, even those of us with licensed pathfinders. So until they lift that restriction, my hands are tied. Why would they do that? They're trying to stop the conspiracy theories from spreading any more than they already have. What if it's not a theory? What if it is Everblaze? It could destroy the world. It would never get that far. As soon as it threatens us or one of the lost cities, they'll investigate. But people are dying. She pointed to the scrap of newspaper on Alden's desk. He sighed. Humans die every day, Sophie. It's not our job to keep them all safe. It is if an elf started the Everblaze. He studied her face for a second. You throw the word Everblaze around without realizing what a serious accusation that is. Have you heard the name Fintan? She closed her eyes as the word pricked her conscience. Bellfire. Did I just trigger a memory? I think so, but I don't know what it means. He started pacing again. Bellfire was Fintan's trademark. It was a blue flame that required no fuel. You've seen it in Atlantis. He sealed it inside the crystal spires to let the city. That was back when he was one of the counselors. He retired when pyrokinesis was banned, which he fully supported after what happened. Morella said people died. Alden nodded because of Everblaze. I ne- I've never really understood the concept, but apparently there's a way to sense cosmic energy in the atmosphere. And if you pull enough of the force together, it will spark Everblaze. Fenton called it the fire of the sun on Earth. 
He was the only pyrokinetic who managed to ignite it and live. The others who tried were consumed by their own flame. Sophie shuddered. After that, the council forbade anyone to learn pyrokinesis, and Finton retired from the council because he couldn't serve without a special ability. But he stayed close friends with most of the counselors, and he's the only elf alive who can start Everblades. So, you can see why the counselors might have a hard time believing he's capable of this. Do you think he's capable? Several seconds passed before he answered. He doesn't seem like the type. Plus, someone's been setting suspicious fires all year. The white fires I've been investigating, and while they showed some signs that they might be someone trying to spark Everblaze, I never found any conclusive evidence. The council is convinced that this is yet another example. Still, shouldn't they at least investigate the fires to be sure? Especially since these ones are yellow, like Everblaze. They still see no need. When the fires, the first suspicious fires started in San Diego, I asked them to put all pyrokinetics under secret surveillance, including Finton. There's been no suspicious behavior, so they're confident an elf can't be behind them. Why is the Black Swan so convinced that it's Everblaze, then? I'm not sure they are. Think about it, Sophie. The Black Swan are obviously the ones behind what's going on, so why would they go to so much effort to tell us what they're doing? They'd be ruining their own plans. The words crashed into her brain like a stone. But what are they trying to do, then? Alden stared into the depths of the aquarium. I'm afraid they might be trying to get you exiled. Trust me when I say you don't want to go there. It's a very dark place. Why would they want that to happen? She whispered, hugging her chest, like the pressure might calm her racing heart. I can't even begin to guess, but everything they've done has put you at risk. They gave you an illegal leaping crystal as a necklace. They made you collect Quintus. Now they're trying to get you to make a very serious charge against a former counselor, without evidence. It wasn't until Alden squeezed her shoulder that she realized she was shaking. There's no need to be afraid, Sophie. I'll do everything in my power to protect you. But do you understand why I don't want you to act on this? These fires may very well be a hoax to trap you, and you can't let that happen. She took a deep breath to steady her nerves. I won't. Good girl. I'm so sorry you have to be wrapped up in this, especially considering everything else you're dealing with. He took her hands. I'm sorry about Grady and Adeline. I thought it might help them to have a daughter to raise again. Obviously, I was wrong. Her voice failed her, but she managed to nod. Della and I would love you to have you live with us. I'm still getting everything approved from the council, but Kenrick is confident he can overrule Bront's objection. Why does Bront object? A half smile crept from the corner, crept from the corner of his mouth. He doesn't trust me, and he's never trusted you, given your past. So the idea of us living together. Why doesn't he trust you? Probably because my father's always off chasing phantom rebels, Oliver said from the doorway. Sophie and Alden both jumped. Sorry, sometimes I forget how easy it is to sneak up on people. He blinked in and out of vision as he crossed the room and leaned against the wall. What are you guys talking about? Alden cleared his throat. Sophie might be coming to live with us. Really? Cool, I guess. His eyes landed on the teal book on Alden's desk. Is that a memory log? Alden snatched it and held the moonlark side against his chest. 
I'm sorry, Alvar, you're interrupting an official meeting between an emissary and a citizen. Anything you've seen or heard is confidential. Alvar grinned, duly noted. He gave an elaborate bow and strode towards the door. Forgive me for interrupting. Then he was gone. Alden turned to Sophie. You should probably get home. She cringed, but stood, digging out her home crystal as he handed her the memory log. Keep searching your memory, Sophie. Maybe your next revelation will finally lead us to the truth. Chapter 41 Sophie wasn't sure if she was relieved or disappointed when she didn't find a note in her locker on Monday. She'd spent the entire weekend attempting to trigger hidden memories but had found not, hadn't found anything, and she was trying not to feel frustrated. She studied in the caves partly to avoid Grady and Eveline, but mostly because the walls of Havenfield pressed in like there wasn't enough room for her anymore. Grady and Edeline left her alone as long as she came back by dark. Nights were the hardest. She imprisoned herself in her room, sorting out the things she would take whenever it was time to move. Other than Iggy, she was determined to leave everything Grady and Edeline had given her. She didn't want any reminders of the people who'd kicked her out of their family, but she decided to tell her friends about it. The thought of everyone's pity made her feel like an angry imp were tearing around inside her body. But it was time. Dex barely looked at her as he opened his locker, and his whole body radiated tension. She cleared her throat. <clears> throat. Hey, Dex. He didn't turn, keeping one very cold shoulder pointed in her direction. I'm sorry. I don't blame you for being mad. I just... I know I've been a little distant lately. He reeled around, his face twisted with so much anger, she barely recognized him. You weren't distant with Fitz and Vienna on Friday. I saw you hugging them in the hall. Dex, I... She hadn't realized anyone was around. Why would you tell them before me? I thought we were best friends. We are. Then why did you go home with them after you turned me down? I was going there anyway, I didn't, and I didn't tell them. They already knew. She took a deep breath, preparing for the next words. For, yeah. <laughs> Grady and Eneline canceled my adop adoption. Oh. He stared at his feet. Are you okay? She choked back a small sob. Words hurt even more to say it out loud. Not really, she admitted. But that's why Fitz and Vienna knew before you. Alden told them when he asked how they would feel about me living with them. What? His voice was so loud, half the prodigies in the atrium turned to stare. You're going to live with them? She clear. She leaned closer so he would keep his voice down. The council ha still has to approve it, but I hope so. You hope so? Well, that's just great. You'll be a vacker. He said their last name like it was a bad word. So? So, vacers aren't friends with Disney's. I would be. And Fitz and Vienna would be, too, if you made some effort with them. Right, he kicked them around. I don't get why you'd want to live there anyway. For one thing, they aren't ex there aren't exactly people lined up to adopt me. She cleared the bitterness from her voice before saying anything else. Besides, they're my friends, Dex. I keep waiting for you to get over this prejudice against them, but it's like you want to hate them. I don't trust them. Well, I do. Yeah, because you have a mega crush on Fitz. I do not Blood rushed to her face. He said, he'd said it so loud, everyone giggled. Dex snorted. Whatever. It's the truth. And why are you being such a jerk? I tell you my guardians are kicking me out, and you pick a fight with me and humiliate me in front of everyone? 
Well, maybe if you talked to me first instead of running to Wonder Boy, I could have helped. But I guess I should get used to that. Once you're living there, you'll ditch me anyways. Right now, I kind of want to. Good. Good. Dex kicked the wall and stomped away. Sophie leaned against her locker, trying to figure out what to feel. Hurt, regret, and anger warred with each other. But anger won. She was in the middle of the biggest crisis of her life, and all Dex could think about was his silly competition with Fitz. It made her want to throw something hard at his head. Instead, she grabbed the illegal necklace from the back of her locker, shoved it in her bag, and stomped to elementalism. Dex avoided her like the plague for the rest of the day, which was fine. She wasn't talking to him until she got a very sincere apology, with maybe a little begging and a present. She planned to stop by Everglen to drop off the necklace, but Bianna told her Alden and Della were in Eternalia all day, meeting with the council, so she went back to the cave at Havenfield and tried to trigger memories until sunset. Once again, she found nothing. She was up in her room, transmitting commands to Iggy, she, her new, very successful method of training him, when Grady knocked on her door. Sophie, he called, can you hear me? Yes, it was the first word she'd spoken to him since their talk. He cracked the door enough to slip his head through, looking more uncomfortable than she felt. Sorry to interrupt. A package arrived for you. He held out a small parcel wrapped in brown paper. When she didn't move, he set it on the floor. I guess I'll leave it here. Um, good night. It was easy to hate Granny for what he was doing, but it was also hard. She really did love Granny and Adeline, and she thought they loved her. Her eyes blurred with tears as she tore the brown paper, unraveling a silver orb and a note. You must help them, followed by three names, Connor, Kate, and Natalie Freeman. Her hands shook as a silver orb came alive at her touch, the word spyball glowing across the center. She'd never seen one before, she'd, but she'd heard kids talk about them. They could show you anyone, anytime, anywhere in the world. You had to apply for a special permit to have one, and she had no doubt who'd sent this one. Still, she couldn't resist whispering, Show me Connor, Kate, and Natalie Freeman. Light flashed, and the spy ball displayed three people huddled together. The rest of the world disappeared. Her mom's hair was longer, her dad looked thin a little thinner, and Amy looked older, but it was definitely her human family. Three echoes of a life where she thought she didn't belong, but they had loved her which was more than she had here. She wanted to reach through the orb and touch them, but she had to settle for watching as they huddled on the floor of a crowded room. Why were they on the floor? Her eyes found the words, evacuee center, and she nearly dropped the ball. They'd been evacuated, which meant the fires were near them. You must help them. The notes' words rang in her ears, and she tried to shake them away. Tried to remind herself she was being manipulated, but she couldn't take her eyes off the three people she'd once loved more than anything. The three people she still loved, looking tired and afraid as a deadly, unquenchable fire threatened them. You must help them. Something inside her clicked into place. Her family never would have abandoned her. She couldn't abandon them. She didn't know how, but she didn't, and she didn't know when, but she would help them. For now, she would stay with them as a silent supporter watching from afar.